Welcome, everybody, to the first, I guess you could say, inaugural episode of Grab Them by the Pod. I'm Jesse, and with me is my co-host, Kevin. Say hello to everybody. Hey, guys. What's happening? Now, we've been talking about doing a podcast for a long, long time, years, actually, and something happened recently that made us get off our butts and actually do it. And what was that, Kevin? Well, I suppose, if nothing else, the election and inauguration of Donald J. Trump as president of the United States has been enough to kick anyone into gear and get on some kind of activism. So for us, perhaps this is the least we can do, but at the very least, we can offer our commentary on uh, this guy. And you know, I took it really to heart because not only did I decide to do a podcast, I got so sick with him being elected. I got the flu, which I'm still getting over right now. Um, but we figured we'd bring it to you because we're, we're not just two Joes who want to do a podcast. We do have a background in politics. And Kevin, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about how you became um, a political a political operative, I guess you could say. <laughs> sure. Well, Jesse, uh, as, as you know, uh, but we should tell these people out there in uh, podcast land, that uh, I have a degree in political science uh, from Eastern Connecticut State University. And uh, after I graduated from college, went into campaign politics, working for the state Democratic Party here in Connecticut, and uh, spent about a year or so working in that and then left the business altogether. But now, actually, I do something even better, which is to teach politics at the high school level. I teach some civics, political science, U.S. history. So uh, I'm, I'm still able to stay in the game that way. And I'm local uh, on local level politics. I'm still involved a little bit. So that's uh, my background. How about yours? Well, so you're molding the minds of the next generation. You know, who cares what I do? You know, whether we fail or whether we succeed, I'm, I'm putting that all on you. Well, hey, that's, uh, that's a tough uh, responsibility to have, but I'm glad to take it. So uh, I love my job, and I'd much rather talk about politics than actually uh, be a politician. And I was lying before when I said, who cares about me? I, all I do is care about myself. So, just kidding. Um, I spent the last decade in Washington, D.C. I went down there to go to grad school, ended up interning in the House. I worked in the Senate for about a year and a half before I decided time to get off Capitol Hill. And I lobbied on K Street for four years and then lobbied for a nonprofit for four years. And people hear lobbyists and they think I'm evil. And I may be evil, but not because I'm a lobbyist. That's true. Um, I can I tell people I did not work for the bad guys. Just look at my bank account. It would be much higher if I worked for someone like I don't know Philip Morris. Now we we the way we look at each other, it's funny. I always say that I think you're to the left of Bernie Sanders, and you think I'm some big conservative, even though I look at myself as being a moderate. True. Yeah, we uh, we do have differing opinions in politics, which is why I think we might make for a good. Uh, a good show here uh, on our take on what's going on because we've got those opposite viewpoints. But uh, I know in, in jest, we, we joke around with each other about being so extreme. But uh, in all honesty, both of us probably skew a little bit more towards the middle than we like to uh, acknowledge. I always considered myself a New England Republican, which really doesn't exist anymore. They were kind of purged out of the party as things started going to the far left and the far right. So I'm a man without a party. I actually thought recently of leaving the Republican Party and just being an independent or maybe even becoming a Democrat, but figured that's not going to help change anything. I'd rather try to stay in this party and fix it from within. Um, but there's a lot of people who would call themselves Republicans in this entire country that I would have nothing in common with. So it, it's really strange how people not only – are all over the political spectrum between different parties. People are all over the political spectrum within their own parties. So it, it's just crazy. Yeah, it's, um, you know, if, if I can say anything about this, I think the worst thing that's happened to the American democracy in the last 
15 to 20 years has been the, the hyper partisanship that's come to Washington. It's even come to the state levels. You know, we we've gone so far to the ends of the spectrum that we've lost touch with what we have in common. Uh, and that's the only way that things are really going to get done in Washington or uh, here in Hartford or on your local level is by finding that that middle ground. So, you know, I think maybe uh, if people can listen to this and, and hear us with our differing viewpoints, but still finding the common ground, uh, maybe this could be a good thing. And, you know, not only am I a policy wonk, I'm very much into television, movies, pop culture. And all I think about when I think of all this is from Lost. They said, live together, die alone. And that's an extreme, but it's really what it is that we have to come together or the country will rip itself apart. And, you know, it's happened throughout our history. And it, guess what? It sucks when that happens. Um, and there's no one more divisive than our current president right now. Um, neither of us voted for him. Um, he's constantly on Twitter tweeting the craziest thing. Just a few minutes ago, he tweeted, uh, the so-called angry crowds in home districts of some Republicans are actually, in numerous cases, planned out liberal activists. Yeah. Sad. He heaven but, forbid that uh, we actually take uh, democracy at face value and that people might actually want to uh, get involved and, and call out their congressional representation for not doing the job that we've elected them to do. But, you know, far be it from me to pass judgment on this. I'm sure it's just liberal activists and the liberal agenda that are lashing out at these Republican congressmen and women uh, back in their home districts. You know, Congress is in recess now. They're back in their home districts. They're meeting with constituents. That's what they're supposed to be doing. And if people are not happy, if people are upset with how things are going, that's why they have these town halls, or at least they should be holding these town halls. And if they're not, you know, shame on them. They should be doing that. And to call people who disagree with you, and we'll get into this later, but to call people who disagree with you as, as phony, as fake, as being paid, it, it's just really ridiculous. And it's really sad to hear people in government, especially at this level, talking about things like that. Well, sure. And, you know, I could give him uh, some credit on this if he was saying that these people are showing up and they are not allowing the members of Congress to speak just for the sake of of holding up progress. But I really don't see that as being what it is. I, I think these are people who are genuinely frustrated with their representation, uh, that we have elected a, a president who seemingly does not really have the qualifications to be in the office, doesn't seem to really understand policymaking and the, the job of the presidency. And the citizens of this country are you know, taking concern here and just trying to call it out and, and call attention to it. Uh, this problem that they see. And, and who else are you to go to uh, in matters of government? These are your elected officials. These are your representatives uh, who are supposed to be representing you. Where else are you supposed to go? This is exactly what you're supposed to do. So, you know, while there may be some small percentage of liberal activists that are showing up at these to just uh, cause chaos, I, I really don't see that as what it is. And let's be honest here. The pendulum swings both ways. The summer after the Obama administration put out Obamacare, the ACA, we should call it. Some people don't know the difference. I think it's two different things. Um, after they came out, the, the White House and the Democrats had a rough summer with the Tea Party rising, doing the exact same thing that's happening right now, going to these town halls, saying why they were mad. And they used that to organize and took over um, a large portion of Congress because of that, because they were organized, because they were, they were mad as hell and they didn't want to take it anymore. And that's something I think um, the Democrats and really the liberal uh, folks in different districts should look at. Um, it's like when you go on a diet. 
and you want to lose weight. You don't focus on losing 100 pounds. You, lose, you want to lose like maybe two or three pounds a week. And it's the same thing. You don't, you're not going to get the entire Senate back in one foul swing. But if you can take off a district here in the House, a district here, and somehow take back the House of Representatives, that's the first step in 2018 to moving things forward. And these town halls and these activists, are, they are activists, but it doesn't mean – it's not a bad term. Like He's using it. You can be a normal citizen and an activist at the same time. And what they're doing is – it's democracy at work. Yeah, and Jesse, you bring up a really good point about the Tea Party here, and I think that this kind of shows America's collectively short memory that just, you know, a few years back, the Republican side of things here, the Tea Party, uh, caused a lot of the same kind of commotion in their protests against the ACA and trying to hold up uh, the Obama administration's policies. Uh, this is all we're seeing is similar activity out of the other side of the political spectrum. So if we can take a second to think back a few years, this is not unique. This is not something that we haven't seen before. This is taking a page out of the Tea Party uh, playbook on the more liberal side of things. And it's so easy to get lost in these tweets. I, I admit I have an alert every time he tweets. I look at it. I get outraged. I'm like, what the hell is this? But we really have to focus on what's actually happening, on the issues that are being implemented, whether through executive order or whether Congress is looking to pass legislation. That's what's important. The other stuff is really just a sideshow. And it and it's so easy for that just to dominate the airwaves and all of the new you know all all the news sucks except for Fox News um, according to the president but we have to make sure that we don't get we, we don't get lost in just a sea of nonsense and let some of this important stuff happen. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and you know this kind of being a a high school history teacher myself, uh, I, I see this as you know an important teachable moment here of in a couple different ways. Uh, one that we can't let our memory be so short as to not realize that history plays a role and that we've seen a lot of these situations before and can kind of teach us how to respond and how to react going forward. Um, and at the same time, you know, for young people that I work with on a daily basis, I want them to see uh, the response that the Trump presidency is getting and how people can take charge uh, can resist, can be out there and be active in letting their voice be heard and, and showing uh, a president and showing an inactive Congress that people actually are out here listening. So uh, on one side of things, I, I like seeing this um, as a teacher. I, I want to see people getting involved. And you see a lot of young people starting to get more involved as a result of this, uh, this presidency as well. Uh, but overall, you know, let's remember how important history really is here. This is not something we haven't seen before. Uh, and the parts that we aren't used to, uh, we can still make some kind of change here if we, we look to our examples from the past. But I will say this. I, I don't want these young people just to be involved. I want them to be educated as well. I respect somebody who is educated on the issues but I disagree with more so than somebody who is just parroting back what they see on TV but I agree with because I, I can at least respect somebody who has a rational decision I just disagree with. So I think um, you, a lot of times you see, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Democrat, I go with this, or I'm a Republican, I go with that. I really want to see people not only out there voting or, or volunteering but, but actually understanding the issues. Um, and, and it's difficult because people don't know wh where to learn this stuff. Um, we, we, so that some people say we can't trust our politicians. Um, the politicians are saying we can't trust the uh, the news organizations. And you know, I want to try to stay up on, on everything. So I watch the news, and every day I make sure I block off. I, I'm fortunate enough to have a job right now where I can watch C-SPAN on my computer at work. 
and I watch Sean Spicer's daily press uh, briefing every day if, if it's on. And I remember last week I was super excited for it, and suddenly it was removed from the schedule, and I got pissed. And then it turns out, oh, it was removed because President Trump was having his own press conference, and that that was a doozy. I know it's you know a little under a week old, but I thought we we have to cover this. Yes, yeah, this is uh, definitely uh, something that you want to talk about. Sean Spicer, in and of himself, has been uh, a character to say the least. Uh, and so I'm going to let you go ahead because I know how important these Spicer press conferences are, uh, and I and I know how important the Trump press conferences are to you. So I'm going to let you go ahead and, and take it away. First of all, thank you. I'm Melissa McCarthy on SNL. I mean, I, I was out on SNL, and I'm back in this season. She's great as Spicer. If for nothing else, Saturday but, Night Live you know, owes the Trump presidency uh, because it's really brought them back to relevance. Uh, they really had died out, as you said, and uh, this is bringing it back. I have to admit, I've, I've started to watch it again for the same reason. <laughs> so in this press conference, there was, there was a lot of nonsense said. There was a lot of yelling, just, you know— he acted like a child, but I want to go over a couple things. First of all, Trump never shuts up about fake news, and I'm sorry if I'm being disrespectful. I called Obama, Obama, Bush, Bush. He's Trump. Uh, he said when it comes to his electoral win, he got a 306, which is the biggest electoral college win since Reagan. Well, that's not true. Everybody fact-checked him immediately, saying Obama had 365 and 332. Clinton had 370 and 379. Bush 41 had 426. So, I mean, what? Only George W. Bush had a smaller win or had two smaller wins than Trump. And it's obvious. And when you call them out on this, you call those people out, they go, he said he thought. He, he, he didn't say it was. He thought he had the biggest win. It's, it's ridiculous. He does this thing where he lies. And if you call him out on it, he goes, well, well that's what I heard. Right. And that's kind of the danger, I think, uh, in having a president who. Uh, seemingly does not read. I, honestly, it's more than seemingly. He's actually said he doesn't read. So he doesn't... You, and, and Kevin, I don't mean to interrupt you. There is a lot of stuff out there right now theorizing that he might actually be a functional illiterate. And, you know, literacy is a problem in this country, but if you go and actually see him looking looking at things, and he doesn't like reading things. He said he wants them under a page with pictures. Do you think it's possible that he actually I do think read? it's possible. And, and in the field of education, this has been something that has circulated, and I've seen a number of... Uh, uh, reports as to whether or not uh, President Trump can actually read. And, you know, I'm not being a literacy specialist. I haven't been able to diagnose him uh, as being functionally illiterate, but it certainly seems as though reading, at the very least, is not a strong suit. And the danger in that is that when you uh, are only taking your reports of information from, you know, TV, uh, television news or the internet, uh, there's a risk inherent in this that you're not getting the most accurate information. And this person, President Trump, is the leader of the free world whose decisions have huge ramifications not only on us but on the world over. So, you know, I want somebody in that position who is getting trustworthy information uh, and not just doubling down every time he's called out on being, uh, being wrong or, or being uh, not fact-based. He literally, in a, in a press conference this weekend, or a, a rally, I would say, it, he won the presidency. I don't know why he's having because rallies. Because that's all still. he knows. Said, you know, yeah. Did, did you see what happened last night in Sweden? Sweden doesn't know how he's talking about. And he saw something about Sweden and immigrants on Fox News, and he went with it, but he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And that's, that's so scary. And people will be ready to be fired. I mean, the bowling, Kellyanne Conway and the Bowling Green Massacre, he's... These things seem small, possibly, when you think of them one by one, but if you put them together and realize that it's the president and his top advisors saying these things, 
it blows your yeah, mind. Yeah, and you know, like you said, they seem small one by one, but we're adding up. We're only a month into the presidency, and and we've already had a number of these instances. You know, uh, facts matter, folks. Facts matter, and and we want to we want yeah. to hold our elected representation to the that same standard. You know, we should be using facts when we are making accusations, uh, when we are trying to hold the president's feet to the fire. And at the same, on the same token, he should be using facts as well. So you have Kellyanne Conway lying. You have this new guy, Miller, looks like a little turd. He's out there spouting, you know, the, the party line. And then you have good old Mike Flynn, National Security Advisor, or should I say former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn, he out of there because he was inappropriately having conversations with Russia and the Russian ambassador about easing the U.S. sanctions. You can't do that, and you know there's, there's no real proof, but you have to be crazy if you think that there wasn't more discussions going on during the election and possibly even now. Yeah, it's become clear, and it's becoming more clear as more and more uh, pieces of information come out about Flynn and other members of the Trump team uh, that, you know, it's no secret that the Russians wanted Trump to win this election, okay, because they they saw him as an easier target to be able to get uh, what they want policy-wise, to be able to uh, to have the upper hand in the relations between these two countries. And, and so it, it does not surprise me in the least when you find out about former uh, security advisor Flynn, you know, being uh, having these inappropriate uh, conversations before Trump even uh, took office. So, you know, I feel like you're going to see more of this come out. And you already have. You've, you've seen things come out about uh, other members of the Trump team having uh, conversations with uh, Russian operatives. So uh, don't be surprised if we see more to come of this. They, they like to push the idea that, you know, they, they did an investigation. They said they did not affect the election. They didn't directly affect it, but they sure as hell indirectly affected it. That when they put, I mean, when you have propaganda going out on only one candidate, not the other, it's going to affect things. And they like to say, well, you know, the Democrats should have had, the DNC should have had better security. It didn't come down to security. It came down to the fact that they were hacking one and not the other. And, and Comey didn't help things either with his nonsense, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if it was a press conference or his letter that he sent out a week before the election. I mean, this is all to me out of like some 80s, 80s movie. It, it's uh, I thought we were done with Russia being, you know, being the evil empire. But right. I Who guess not. Thought, you know, I, I can remember days of being an elementary school student in the uh, late 1980s uh, and having the, the Soviets be the bad guys. Right. And having that evil place halfway around the world, the Soviet Union being the thing that we looked at uh, and had a, a shudder when we saw it on the globe in school. Uh, and, you know, in the last 20 years or so, things have been pretty good. But here we go again. Uh, there, you know, Russia is being the, the nemesis of the United States. It's kind of, it's laughable in one sense, and in the other, it's frightening. At least it gives us a, a bunch of new villains for new James Bond movies going <laughs> forward, story. I guess. You know, I'll go back to that well. Um, and, and then they come to the intelligence community. So what the Trump administration would have you think is that the leaks, the leaks are real. The reporting, that's fake. WikiLeaks wasn't a big deal because it wasn't confidential information that was being leaked. That was okay. Let's try, you know, let's let's give two thumbs up for that. But the current leak is wrong, and they want to start investigating these leaks. And I heard someone say recently that investigating the leaks and not what they're actually saying is like the Watergate Commission going after Deep Throat rather than Nixon. Um, you know, leaks. Yeah, maybe they're wrong, but maybe this is the intelligence community saying this guy's a lunatic. Something has to happen, and it doesn't pay to actually talk trash about the intelligence community. I don't want to say the CIA killed Kennedy, but you know who knows. <laughs> and um, and I'm not advocating anything for Trump. Please don't listen to that. But these are guys 
who have been doing this their entire life. The presidents come and go, the intelligence agents and the, these spies, they're for a long time. You don't want to piss these dudes right. off. Right, yeah, that's uh, the last uh, thing that Trump wants to worry about. So if he's smart, he'll keep his mouth shut. Uh, but I'm just not so sure that he's smart enough to keep his mouth shut. He can't help himself. I I imagine him like sitting there shaking and, and trying to be quiet, and suddenly he just can't take an explosion and has to tweet something because – you know, he's like a child. He really is in so many ways. And again, it, it would be funny and it would be hilarious if it wasn't so sad and so Absolutely. scary. And the, the number of articles, I was just reading one uh, over the weekend uh, about, it was written by, an opinion piece written by a psychologist uh, who basically staked uh, his reputation uh, in his profession uh, by saying this, that he's not ethically allowed to diagnose from afar as he was doing, so he kind of used coded language, but diagnosed uh, the guy with several disorders based on his behaviors and his inability to uh, let things go and his constant need to uh, have people like him and, and to be liked and loved and, and want the admiration. And, and I think that's what you see when you see him tweeting, when you see him trying to set the record straight from his perspective, when you, you see him trying to spin things to make himself look good. The, there are some telltale signs that he may have something going on. And I think the important thing to think – when you look, look back at what we're saying here, we haven't actually really criticized his policy yet. We've really just been talking about him as a person and how he handles himself. And it's just so interesting to me that a lot of the Republicans out there, they – they should be able to say, you know, I voted for him because he wants to do X, Y, and Z, but I think he's handling himself poorly. But you see a lot of them liking it. They love him going out there and telling the media to shut up, which to me is just – it's so scary. I mean you he, – he's – it's its a propaganda machine basically trying to get the United States or the citizens of the United States to not listen to the news. And a free press is what pro protects us from, like, dictators. And, you know, everybody's throwing around that word and you don't want to go crazy, but, I mean – it starts well, somewhere. and this is what frightens me uh, as an educator, is I see it as an indictment on the American public education system, and we can get into a, a Betsy DeVos conversation at another time, but uh, <laughs> the idea that there are enough people in this country, particularly in, in the heartland states and so on, that believe in this this concoction of fake news, this, you know, the, the tweets that the president puts out, the spinning of the news, that they, they are willing to take that at face value. They don't have the critical eye or the critical ear to want to even go and find out more information to find out if this is true or not. And they, they take it at what it is, and then they use their vote on it. And they, they've elected somebody who, in my opinion, isn't even stable enough to hold the job, let alone uh, aware uh, and politically able. So... It worries me, but hopefully with the, the response that we've been seeing uh, in resistance of President Trump, maybe this is uh, a blessing in disguise. Who knows? In recent polls have come out and said you know, less than half of America trusts Trump and even less tr uh, trust the media. And there shouldn't be like, ha, I, more people like me than like you. Both of them are under 50% and both are sad. You should be trusting the president. You should be able to trust the media. And you shouldn't be happy that one or either is untrusted. It, it's ridiculous. It's it's people putting politics before the country. And if you actually look at yourself in the mirror and, and stop playing these stupid games, you should realize we're adults. And and this kind of nonsense has no place at this level of government. Um, we, we, we like to think of America as being great, American exceptionalism, all that jazz. 
And the way we're reacting right now, it, it's like petulant children. And um, you, know, you have kids, and you have to put them in timeout. And sometimes I think whether it's the government or the media or just the people who are running around America, some of us have to be put in timeout, think about what we did, and then go <laughs> Yeah, so, so where's the Trump timeout corner? That's what I want to know. Uh, maybe he'll just say, you know what, I'm going to give the presidency to, to Pence for a couple of weeks where I go down to Mar-a-Lago and just re- relax. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he needs time to, uh, you know, some reflection. I'm not so sure he does a whole lot of that, but, uh, you know, hopefully he starts. And then his press conference ended with April Ryan, who's been around for quite a while now. She's the White House correspondent for the American Urban Radio Networks. Um, President Trump had been talking about inner cities. You know, he loves to talk about Detroit or Chicago and how it's basically a hellhole. You basically think it's like Fallujah if you asked him. And she goes, you know, are you, are you going to be working with the CBC at all? And he's like, who? The what? She goes, the Congressional Black Caucus. He goes, oh, I reached out to them. Um, You know, I never heard back. And April, by the way, who is black, she goes, oh, are you friends with them? Do you know them? Do you want us to have a meeting? And she's like, no. I mean, she's a reporter. She's not a secretary. She goes, you you talked to them. You set it up. And that's, you know, first of all, the optics are bad. I don't know why he said that because he's an idiot. That's why. But first... Telling a black woman to do that, you know, it's not good for the president to do uh, for a billionaire white guy. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like to say, like, oh, he's a white billionaire. But, you know, when you're president, that's, that's how it looks. Second of all, what, do, do all black people know each other? I mean, come on, Trump. It's, In it's his not, world, yeah. Third of all, yeah, third of all, you're the president. Call over to the members of Congress. Make the meeting. It's not rocket science. You can make this happen. Would he even know how to do that? See, this is what I'm talking about when I say that he's he's not qualified for the job. More importantly – you know, I don't know how much he actually wants the job. Sure, he wants the ego boost. Sure, he wants the illusion of power. But, you know, does he really want to be governing? There's a whole other aspect of being uh, an elected official, certainly the president of the United States, where you actually have to get down to the business of governing. And that's not really his cup of tea. You know, he, he likes, as you said, the optics. He likes to look good. He likes to look important and, and be in the news and be on television. We all know, you know, that's his background. But he doesn't really want to get down to the business of governing, is what I'm convinced. I was listening to a po- another podcast today uh, by uh, John Favreau, John Lovitz, their former staffers for the Obama White House. They were saying how you could work in the White House if you weren't part of the inner circle and never see President Obama. And they said in the current White House reports are you'll just walk down and see you know, him sitting there with like Steve Bannon watching Fox News because you know again that's where he gets all his news and there's just so much wasted time that you know, this guy should have no free time to be able to do this kind of stuff and you know it, it's a lot more work they say than he thought it was going to be which is why I, I don't care that he's filed to run again I don't think he's going to run again being president sucks and he doesn't want to do this he, he's going to try to go back to the Apprentice or something after his first term if he makes it that yeah far. and you know I I've got a to kind of say something on this, Jess, you know, if he's not spending all that time watching Fox News, how else is he going to know what to do? Yeah, he would be a total blank slate then. Um, you know, I, I'm never one without words. And to a certain degree, this presidency leaves me speechless, which is, is a new feeling for me. Um, I, don't, I don't want this podcast to come off. Yes, we're dumping on Trump. And yes, you know, you look at the name of our podcast, grab him by the pod, and we're kind of making fun of uh, some of his comments. But we're not just crapping on him because we're partisan hacks. We're dumping on him because some of the things he's doing is is ridiculous. And I would like to think that if members of Congress or governors on either side start doing something ridiculous, we would cover that too in future podcasts. But at the moment, he is the story. He's doing crazy things. 
and we're we're doing this podcast because we believe in it. And we want things to get better, not just to go, ha ha, he's a moron. Look, let's if, move on. if I had something good to say, right? Mama always told you if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> if I had something good to say about his policy ideas, if he gave me something. I would love to be able to say something good about his policy ideas, but we've yet to see that, and we're a month in. Now, I know it's early, but I don't have a lot of hope that there's going to be much positive change coming out of the White House anytime soon. So, you know, we will wait cautiously and, and hope for some good things to actually be able to offer praise on. Uh, but in the meantime, I think it's it's our job and, and the media, certainly, and whatever little bit we can do with this podcast to try to just bring to light some of the things that are happening with our educated take on the matter. And also remember mama said that, uh, you know, alleg crocodiles and alligators are so ornery because they have all those teeth and no <laughs> toothbrush to brush them with. Yes, thank you for the, uh, the, the Sandler quote. So that, that all happened in one press conference. It just kind of blows my mind that the president, and he was so confrontational and just so unpresidential is the way to put it. So... That gave us just enough fodder for this for this podcast. Um, b- before we go, though, you know, I'll open up to, is there anything else you want to talk to about um, Trump or politics in general this this episode? Or you want to just save it to next week when we, when we hopefully have a <laughs> right. Well, song. I think we can save that till next week. But you know, I just want to throw out there again. You know, I, I am an educator, but to me, this is what proves how genuinely important education is in this country. Uh, If nothing else is going to show us why we need to be putting time, money, and resources into uh, the American public education system, I don't know what will. Well, it's been a pleasure to do this first episode with you, uh, Kevin. My best friend, we're we're now back in Connecticut. We can, we're on the same side of an issue for the first time. (laughs) We've known each other about 17 years. The first time I think we've almost ever agreed on anything. So I hope you guys stuck with us. And I hope you guys stick with us for future episodes. We're going to be putting this on iTunes, everything. We'll be out there. You can find us at Twitter at Grab by the Pod. No, Grab Them by the Pod because it was too long. Grab by the Pod at Twitter. Or you can email us at grabthembythepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Get your thoughts, ideas as we move into future episodes. And hopefully this thing starts to grow and uh, we become big, famous. <laughs> we can only hope. This. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe we make a difference too. That, that, that might be good. So um, for this episode, I'm Kevin. Um, I'm Jesse, and we're signing off. We'll see you next time on Grab Them by the Pod.